What's up, everybody? Alternative Blacks Podcast is back. If you have been following us on Instagram, you know we have been going strong with our live series every other Thursday. So if you aren't following us, make sure to check us out at Alternative Blacks Pod. We haven't had an official podcast episode since November of 2021, but don't worry. We have two never-released episodes for you to kick off Season 3 of Alternative Blacks Podcast. The first will be with Broken Chair Brewing Company in West Reading, PA. And the second will be an episode about my experience at Dock Street Brewing Company in Philadelphia. So make sure you're following the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at Alternative Blacks Pod to keep up with what we're doing all year long. We're back. And we're thirstier than ever. What's up, everybody? Welcome to season three. Holy shit, we're at season three. Season three, <laughs> first yes. episode, and this is going to be an episode like no other. We have yet to do this. We are in Broken Chair. This is our yes. first brewery that we're going to be interviewing. So, absolutely. How yes. about we have our guest introduce himself? Uh, Todd Bray from Broken Chair Brewery, owner and uh, part-time brewer now. <laughs> Since I have a brewer, so. <laughs> All right. So, before we usually get into anything, we drink the beer first. Absolutely. Right. Which we've kind of been doing this whole time. <laughs> exactly. Well, we got so into it way early. We're a little ahead of schedule, but uh, let's go around the table, starting with what you're drinking, and let's just talk about what you're drinking. Okay. I'm drinking a blueberry milkshake IPA. Ooh. Comes in around 6.5%. Um Made with uh, real blueberries. Awesome. So it's, yeah, it's it's very tasty. Nice. I know this is your beer, but we usually give it an untapped rating, so zero right. to five in like quarter increments. What would you rate this beer? The beer I'm currently drinking, I would I would actually rank it about a four. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Chris, what are you drinking? I am drinking the New England Double IPA. I believe it's Dop. Hoplo Picasso. There we go. Hoplo Picasso, which is an awesome name it's for a beer. a beautiful beer. name. <laughs> Not Hoplop or whatever I was saying. Uh, and if you, as you might imagine, this beer comes in around 10%, right? Yes. Yep. As you can hear from how I'm talking. <laughs> Already, this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> New England Double, very good. Uh, the bitterness, the bitterness of the hops comes through. It's so refreshing, very crisp, kind of just... Uh, Kind of like the people's beer that we were having, the IPA, um, From that Park. crispness. Yes, it just it really comes through, really refreshing. But somehow it's ten percent, yeah. and uh, it's yeah. very dangerous. Yeah, I love. Please those. consume responsibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And what am I drinking? You're drinking the Belgian triple. Beautiful, and this is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I'm a big uh, what's it called? Golden Monkey guy, right? Golden Monkey, so yep. victory. Um, and this actually gives me a rounder flavor than I get from the Golden Monkey normally. Like, there's just more notes of something coming out. <laughs> right, right. What yeah, are I those mean, notes? I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's made with Belgian grain. Mm. So sometimes you get a little more biscuity mm. type of flavor. Um, also, it's not not a lot of hops in it, but they're the, uh, you know, the well-known German hops, Belgian hops in, from the area. And, um, you know, we, there is a touch of cardamom 
in the beer. Okay. We use some cardamom seed, crushed cardamom seed, and um, you know, of course, you're, we're using uh, Belgian yeast is what really does the, uh, the magic. It's, it, it's the magic. It's the muscle in the beer. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, what would you rate that beer exactly, then? Exactly, because I'm normally an IPA guy, right? I've noticed that I've had way too many IPAs in my life as I was looking way through my... Way too many. <laughs> as I was looking through my untapped What's list. What's your breakdown there, like 90 it's to... Like, it, no, it's just under 50% of my beers have been IPAs, but that equates to like 600-some beers. So Officially, Officially on untapped. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this, is, this is an incredible beer. I'm going to give it one more sip before I give a final rating. Well, I'll give it... For me, I took a sip while you were in the bathroom. Nice. So I would go four five baseline was, off of just one sip. There it is. I was giving the, it a four five, four seven five. The name of that beer is Beerhemian Trapsody. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> See? <laughs> All right, that that pushed it to the four seven five. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what I appreciate about Broken Chair mostly it are all of the uh, all of the puns in the beer names. Yeah. I've always yeah. noticed that, and I've always appreciated all the beer puns. And I was Actually, like, takes yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah, brewing the beer, that's easy, but coming up with a name for the beer, <laughs> yeah. that's, exactly. that's the difficult part. Uh, this this beer here, because I didn't give it a rating, I'm going with a 425 on this right now. Um, and just like, I guess I want to ask you while we're on this topic, are you heavy into Untapped at all, like personally? Um, um, and how would you? How do you rate your beers? You have a process that you go by. You know what I do is normally I make something that I would like to drink, <laughs> and and you know, and that's coming from my home brewer background. But uh, you know now I make beers that you know I may not like to drink, but I know my customers want. And like the uh, the Belgian triple, I'm not a big Belgian beer drinker, so I find people who are, and you know, and I uh, I'll make some samples, give them to them, and um, you know they thumbs up, thumbs down, and uh, you know I don't have a very big ego, so I mean you don't like the beer, that's great, you know I can, you know, but uh, if I find a majority of it like it, you know I'll continue to to uh, clean the process as we go make adjustments where we need to go and, uh, you know, come up with a finished product. That's beautiful. That's a great process to go through. Uh, I think sometimes we, people that are creators, uh, they make their things, even if it's not their specialty, they're going based off of their own like judgment and their own like feelings rather than reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, this isn't my thing, but I know you like this. Can you help me through it? That's a beautiful take on things. Yeah. You know, and, uh, look, we, we don't have food at the brewery. So I have 24 taps, and they're all made here. So, you know, I need I just can't make 12 IPAs and 12 stouts. You know, I've got to have the variety, and that's um, – and I, I do drink them. I try them every now and then, but doesn't mean I like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and I will sample other manufacturers' beers along the way, and I'm going, you know what, I really like this. Um, so you sample the competition. Oh, absolutely. And and that was a question I was uh, going to ask a little later, but I was interested uh, in knowing what some of your favorite breweries outside of yourself might be. You know, I really like uh, Oak Brook. 
Ah. Which is a local brewery. Ah, uh, yes. They were our OG sponsors. They sponsored right. us for like our they, first season. Yeah, they believed in us when no one else did. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I like I like Oak Brook because, um, uh, you know, Kyle the Brewer, you know, we both like English-style beers. And, uh, you know, we uh, we make some pretty decent ones. So um, so I, li- I really enjoy going there. Plus, he's a hell of a guy to talk to. <laughs> he is, is, he he is a character, yeah. man. Yeah. I love and, him. And the, like historical content that he has like oh he'll just like he can talk redding out like nobody else i've ever met yeah like the deppin cream ale he had on and the whole backstory behind deppin brewing and redding was so right. amazing uh, and uh you know i um recently went to uh seven sirens and i really enjoyed the the product there seven sirens where, that's where down the- that's down toward philly i can't remember i'm not look i'm not good with direction i couldn't tell you if i'm east west or south other than i'm in west reading so i know i'm west so. <laughs> that's funny that's definitely who i am i'm a landmark guy i can get you to where you're going based off of a landmark i couldn't tell you what route I'm the, you're gonna I'm go i'm the directions guy that's i could tell you oh you're off of 742 and <laughs> 222 right. and this nothing that, third i mean i like looking at me. maps so like i'll drive no where I'm going and just have Google Maps up just because it's cool to me <laughs> to have a map up. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm weird like so, that. But, but when I go somewhere or if I'm at the grocery store and I'm buying something, um, I tend to go toward browns, reds, and stouts, my personal selection. Um, you know, a, a good brown ale is really tough to make, and not a lot of people make it. You know, sometimes there's not a lot of requests for it. But you know, I just I just I love, love a good brown, brown ale, ale so. red ales and stouts, porters. So that was something that I've been like reading up on lately was the the brown ales being a little tougher actually to produce well. So that that's interesting. You know, and recently I've started uh, you know adding some sours here and there. Um, you know, I, I that's the trending wasn't thing. Wasn't really. A big sour person. I don't think I still am, but you know there are some that I I do enjoy. Um, yeah, sometimes it's a refreshing uh, on a uh, really hot day. Yeah. Side note, quickly, as as the maps guy, well, Seven Sirens is actually in downtown South Bethlehem, where I went to college. So the fact that it is like right there in the mix of things, so I am definitely checking them out very soon. I love South Bethlehem. Bethlehem's awesome. And my cousin goes to Lehigh now, so good good thing to go check out. Anything else in terms of what uh, other breweries that you that you like? You know, I I generally can find something at at any brewery. At any brewery that I that I like. Um, you know, again, it just depends on who's driving. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who got stuck with a DD for the yeah. day? So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you sit there and you kind of look. I really want to try that one, but uh, you know what? I'm behind the wheel today, so yeah. yeah. But I think we're kind of like that too, in the sense of as soon as we see a brewery, we're just gonna go try it. I mean, we don't. We might have like breweries that we enjoy going to, but we're 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 kind of that. We don't frequent a lot of places. Only we go and we try to go to different places all the time. And like you said, I think. Every brewery might have their niche where they're really good at this, and so I really like this type of style versus I really like a stout here, I really like an IPA there. So I think we're kind of the same in that that regard. Right, and I think 
you had kind of brought something up in terms of being able to just try everything at least once. Uh, but on top of that, I think it's important that you give places chances to grow. So I know you Absolutely. were you were home brewing nine years, I think, before you opened. Uh, almost ten or twelve. I mean, oh, it, was, wow. it was a while. Yeah. Yeah. So you you had taken the time to hone in a craft, and that's the work that a lot of people don't see prior to a brewery opening. So it's usually like, okay, you come in, new brewery, let's see what they have. And even that process, I'm assuming, from home brewing to actually brewing as a... Large scale. Larger scale brewery. Oh, yeah, that changes uh, a lot. Is it is it completely different? Is it sort of the same? What, what? You know, the brewing process actually never changes. Okay. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's the same thing. You start with grain, you mash... Whether you're doing a you know a two-step, three-step mash single or batch sparge, you know mash or whatever, then you sparge, you know you collect the work, go to the boil kettle, um, you know, and from there you you chill, put in your fermenter and add yeast. But that's that's pretty much the same process. Whether you're doing you know a gallon to a thousand gallons, I mean it, uh, or barrels. I mean it's it's the same process. Which is really unique now that the equipment changes. Okay. And it, sometimes it changes a lot. Um, does the same function. Now the uh, the biggest the bigger change is that scaling up from home brewing, and I and I'm very small. I mean we do we have a two barrel process. Um, even scaling up from you know doing ten gallon batches to two barrels. Uh-huh. You know, stuff didn't scale. Wow. Mm. It okay. Just, it, do, it just doesn't scale. You know, um, sometimes I had to take hops out. Sometimes I had to put hops in. Um, and the things that really didn't scale, if you were adding chocolate to something, generally wasn't even close to being enough. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Or, even uh, you know, the, the pepper beer we had discussed. Um, you know, what I added to a uh, 10 gallon batch was ounces what i'm adding now is pounds i wow. mean it just it just didn't didn't scale so yeah. um well i'm gonna keep saying it because i love that beer <laughs> keep doing what you're doing that beer that is probably my favorite pepper beer that i've ever had and not a lot of people do it so it's really cool to have a place so close to me that does it so well so yeah. keep doing that <laughs> And I'll tell you what, you know, the names start to run together at times because, I mean, we've made over 55, 60 different types of beer. Now, some of them I will not make again. Yeah. You know, I've retired uh, the formulation. And, and also, you know, so I could try something new. That's interesting. Um, kind of going to that point of retiring beers. It was so interesting to me that you brought up Oak Brook, not just because they're local and they're a good brewery, but it was one of those breweries that we tried initially. And we're like, all right, cool, let's see how, how this goes and how they age. And every year they get better and better and better. Yeah, and their beer is absolutely. incredible now. And to be very, like, honest, there was a couple of beers when, when you guys first opened that I was like, oh, I like this a lot. But I was just like, I- I'm going to wait and see again. And I think it was important when you brought up traveling and seeing other places yeah. and always giving a chance it what what is the process of longevity in craft beer because someone comes in early and makes up their mind about something is that 
a fair assessment or should it be given um, time to grow? You know, what I found is that anyone who just opens a brewery, their beers are not where they want them to be. Like I said, you know, the, if they haven't brewed professionally, and sometimes they have, but owning a brewery and brewing beer in a brewery is, I mean, it's not even close to being the same. So, um, yeah, I would say if you, you know, give the brewery a second chance, come back in another year or two, because um, I'm, I'm certain the beers will get better as the brewery uh, keeps yeah. going. You know, um, sometimes it's just getting your process down with new brewing equipment. Um, you know, but the, the, the biggest thing I found is you've got to follow strict temperature settings. Um, now, I put a glycol chiller in. A what? Uh, a glycol chiller. Okay, that... Uh, glycol's a sugar alcohol now. This no, is why I have him. No, gly- glycol is actually um, a machine that I run glycol. It's like antifreeze. So my fermenters are jacketed. So when I put... You know, I'm chilling work down to 68, 70 degrees or... You know, if it's an Oktoberfest or something like that, maybe 50, 55. Um, but I've got a machine that that's uh, jacketed that pumps this glycol through the whole system. And it keeps the glycol at a temperature. And I've got settings on the each individual fermenter. I'll set it for 68 degrees. And if it goes above 68... A valve opens, cold glycol comes in, chills it back down where it needs mm. to be, and the valve shuts off. Temper- so it's for temperature regulation. It's temperature regulation. Absolutely. And then I, uh, I do not filter any of my beers. I cold crash them. So um, when the beer is ready to be crashed, which could be anywhere from two to five weeks, six weeks, depending on the beer, um, I'll, I'll turn it down to about 35 degrees. And at that point, everything solidifies out that's in, in the solution. Oh. So it makes your beer bright. That's what a, that's what a bright tank is. Hmm. Uh, I think the Germans called it dropping bright. Oh. Okay. So, in the, but our, you know, what we do in a bright tank is actually we just carbonate the beer there. Right. Um, Interesting. Very interesting. I'm just trying to absorb all that I can right now. That was a lot of fun. No, to, because to that, to. that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of the point of this season for us, right? Because we have just bought some home brewing equipment, okay, ourselves, and we're about to just attempt to get into home brewing on a small scale. See, see if we like it. You know, just kind of test it out in the attempts of. Open one it. day yeah. opening our own brewery. <laughs> yeah, one so, day. So, you know, doing interviews like this and sitting down with people like yourself is so insightful um, just to hear about the process, things that you're learning while you're doing it, and you're very experienced, you know, with, with the brewing and just home brewing in general. Uh, so this is kind of why you know, we're asking and, these questions. And, you know, and uh, as anyone will tell you, there's no one setup for a brewery or a home brewer that, you know, it's everyone's individuality comes through. Um, you know, I'm, I've had problems with my knees and my hips. So I, I arranged my brewery where I used a lot of pumps. Mm. 
so that I didn't have to bend. Oh, okay. Um, now, that's expensive. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people use gravity. Most people use gravity. Yeah. And, I, and I did, too, when I first started until I figured, you know what? I just can't lug 10 gallons of beer around anymore, you know? So, um, yeah, I went to pumps. And even that has some drawbacks at times. Now you got a piece of machinery you got to maintain. It's got to be sanitized and clean, right? I mean, it's... And they do go bad. Oh, you looking no. at me for the question? Yeah, I thought I thought you were ready to ready to go there. I, yeah, I was ready to start segueing over to the name. Yes, it's a hard hard switch uh, from what we are currently talking <laughs> about. But but, uh, we, but we do, well, I sort of have a rough backstory, but I don't I don't want to try to repeat it. I'd rather hear it directly from the source. Right. Um, I was away on business one weekend. And um, I had six um, six sixtals in my in my kegerator. Uh, all had beer. I mean, full of beer. And um, my wife had been invited over to some friends, and they were having like um, a fire pit. They had sandwiches, and you know, we're on a Friday or Saturday night. I can't remember what it was, but she said, "Do you mind if I take some beer?" I said, "Yeah." You know, I had I had six um, growlers. In the, in the garage, I said, you know, just take one of each, see what everybody likes. And, um, you know, about halfway through the night, uh, they were sitting in some really old chairs. I mean, that had been weathered outside, uh, seen too many winters outside. And I think about three of them actually fell through the chair or broke the chair, and that's where the broken chair brewery <laughs> came from. So, and your no, beer, and your no beer one, just breaks chairs. And no one dropped the beer. Oh, yeah. that's always impressive. Because it's that good. Yeah. Exactly. Just, don't, don't drop the beer. <laughs> so most, uh, most of them are folded up and have their beer up in the air. So, yeah. And we do have one of the original chairs in the window. We, um, we had it decorated and painted. Uh, I was going to ask if that was the original paint job, but that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. No, the original paint job was... Um, uh, weathered wood. <laughs> really, it was gray. I mean, it was <laughs> should have never been set in. <laughs> Wait, so my question with the story is, how did they transition to these old weathered chairs? Because it sounds like they were in good chairs, and then all of a sudden they were drinking your beer, and then oh, all no, of a sudden no, they're no. In these they started chairs. out in the bad chairs, <laughs> and, and um, they just eventually went. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right, so continuing on the name and the logo, the Sugar Skull. I just I would like, could you expand upon the image then of Broken Sure. Um, I'm I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, and I like uh, Day of the Dead stuff, and my wife likes anything hippie. So we have, you know, I know we needed a logo. And, you know, we started looking at chairs, broken chairs. And, I mean, probably nothing more boring on this planet than looking at a broken chair. Just a chair. Just a chair. I mean, that's, you know, I'm going, you know what, this isn't going to fly. No one's going to wear a T-shirt with a chair on it. So, um, you know, I contacted a local guy named Andy Schneider, and um, he does design work and you know, he said, what do you guys like? We told him. And 
this is what he came up with. For what this is his very first design, and we actually said you don't have to go any further. Um, yeah, we made some modifications to it, changed a few things, but um, that's how we ended up with it. And I think it's really interesting because we were like, when I would come in here and I would look at the the records on the wall, and then I would see the Sugar Skull, and I'm just like, it feels like it's this mix of these things, and I I just am not quite sure what it is yet. And now that you describe it, it all makes sense. And it it's just, just all, uh, like, falls into place. Yeah, it's just a vibe. Yeah. I mean, we're laid back. It's yeah. easy going. It's a vibe. You know, no one's coming in here to get hammered and raise hell. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, you come in here, you have a conversation or you watch a football game or whatever, but yep. it's just it's, easy going. You know yeah. what? I would give that because I've gone into some of my favorite places and had a bad time because of people in there. Right. And yeah. looking back at it, I've never had a bad time yeah. here. Shoot, I have and some I, of the best. I was about to say, yeah. this is you. All, yeah. the, um, all the albums you see on the wall I bought when I was in college. Oh, wow. We had a used record shop where I went to school and um, had hundreds of thousands of old albums in it. Um, now, these predate me um, by about 10 years. Most of them. These are, for, you know, I was a lie. You know, I was born in 61, but most of this stuff's from 65 through 70. Mm, and, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't really listening to music a lot at that right. time. But, uh, <laughs> but I bought it off. I bought most of these for a quarter. What? Wow. Maybe 50 cents, some of them a dollar. Uh, just because I like the, uh, the artwork on the album. And I thought maybe, you know, one day I'll use them. And um, they were all yeah. down in my basement. Just sitting there. So I just carried them around. They went from, uh, you know, I... Yeah, you know, I was born and raised in Ohio, lived in Tennessee, lived in Texas, and then here. So, and those albums all made the trip. All right, I just have to ask the question: How did you end up in Reading? Um, <laughs> job. Job. Okay. Job. Yep. Okay. What do you? Uh, what, what was that job? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I worked for Quaker Made Meats. Oh, well, that, <laughs> okay. that that sounds like Reading to me. If you if you like Steakum, we may manufacture that product. Wow. wow. And then you were, uh, so you were working there up until very recently then, right? Oh, I'm or, still working there. Oh, you're still working I'm there? I'm still okay, working awesome. there, yeah. Oh, my God. So then how was that, how was that kind of, one, before, you know, quarantining and all of that stuff, how was the balance of working with the brewery, doing your own thing, and then working for Quaker Made versus... Well, uh, you, you know, um, Quaker Made, you know, we're... Once the pandemic hit, we were working seven days a week there. Um, yeah. We're still working seven days a week. We just can't keep enough product going. Um, of course, the brewery got shut down. Yeah. Uh, a couple different times, and it really—I mean, it really hurt. So this place struggled. Um, we managed. You know, we had just bought a crowler machine and got a, you know, like twelve hundred crowler cans in couple of weeks before it hit because that all of a sudden you couldn't get cans yeah, uh, but yeah. We, we had cans so you know we had growlers and then eventually i bought a um another machine that would do uh 16 ounce cans so we started doing that as well and that's how we made it through the pandemic was um selling those cans we were at least able to you know to move the product out i didn't have to dump it 
Wow. Yeah, definitely grateful for that. I definitely got a crowler back when that food regulation was still, yeah. still here. Yeah. Um, and as I said, you know, being able to come here when you guys first started opening and then just continue to like patron you guys um, and seeing the evolution of the beer and just it becoming more and more intense when it comes to flavors, but like not overpowering, right. but just like that right level. Um, it was exciting to be able to then like walk away with like crowlers. I, I think uh, that that was been yeah. an amazing journey. And uh, I guess I wanted to ask you then, based off based off of that, uh, it it kind of sounds like you you try to tend you were or at least originally were trying to tend towards you know maybe something that's a little more accessible for people, something that isn't this hyper experimental throw a bunch of random hops and ingredients into a beer. No, and come you out know with there's crazy. Um, you know, through experience, you know that there are hops you don't want to mix. Okay. Uh, they fight each other. Okay. Uh, you, you end up with a, a, a really bitter bite you don't want, or you end up with something so bland it doesn't have any hop in it. Um, so, I mean, it's really, yeah, I've learned that, you know, there's a, depending on the style of beer, there's a percentage you want to have of hops and, and different types of hops. Uh, spe- you, know, um, you know, the old English stuff, we use a lot of that. I'm going to call the noble hops, mm-hmm. um, which is the Saz, you, you know, stu- hops like that, uh, cluster, that um, are the ones the Germans and the uh, Australians started out with, or not Australian, but Austrians. Started out using, yeah. And then we've grown into, we do use some hops from Australia, uh, New Zealand, um, South Africa. Uh, you, you know, those are the ones where you normally get the tropical flavors coming through. More in the New England IPAs, yeah. you're going to see those. Okay. I was going to say, some of my early favorites here were those more tropical IPAs. Those were like, oh, I really enjoy this. But I am biased when it comes to IPAs. Yeah, you love IPAs. My uh, my early favorite is the Irish Red. Mm. I think that was like my go-to when I came, came here. Very, uh, that was the very first beer I ever made. Irish wow. Red followed by a brown ale. Now, they're, they wow. don't resemble what they were, but right. those were the first two beers I ever made. Well, I, I, the Irish Red is just a smooth drink, man. That's a smooth time, and obviously now the uh, the pepper stout. But the Irish Red was for something that's always around, like the always the go-to. And I just like I I like Irish Reds in general, and I just think right. that's a real smooth chill I, beer. You know, that one's generally always on tap. I try to keep a brown ale on tap all the time. Um, at least a uh, couple stouts and a porter. So, um, you know, out of the dark beer I have, the, the ones I sell the most of are, uh, I got a raspberry imperial stout. Comes in about 9.3. Now, it's not on tap right now. Uh, probably in two or three weeks, it'll be on tap. And then I do have an imperial stout that's very smooth. Comes in about 9.2. Um, the imperial stout is nice. That's on tap as well right now. And then the, the vanilla porter out of all the dark beers, that's the one I sell the most of. And I, that's a classic. And I use real vanilla beans for that. Makes all the difference yeah. in the world. And so that explains why it's 
you know, obviously the cost of the product is so much more. Yes. Because you're using fresh natural ingredients, uh, which really that makes all the like you said, it makes all the difference. You can you can kind of tell sometimes when you go to a place and you get a vanilla beer and it's just like, ah, this doesn't really taste like anything but sweet and sugar. Yeah, once you can tell what's been added to the beer if you let it sit and let it warm. Sometimes mm. you get a, um, um, I don't know, a chemical taste mm. mm-hmm. or an artificial taste. You can tell. Yeah. So that's what you got to do. Just let one of your beers sit and just. But that, give it you a know, taste. that's an issue with me because my beer never sits. I don't get that far. Yeah. Oh, that got me off. Yeah. <laughs> I just lost my train of that was a good one. That was great. <laughs> Um, I don't know, Chris. Are you ready for another beer? I'm ready for a second if we want to. Sure. Keep it going. All right. So we took a quick break. We got some new beer. We're fresh. We're fresh on the beer. Yeah. We're gonna do another round. What are What are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, coffee milk stout. It's called Daywalker. Coffee Ooh. milk stout. So that sounds very Game of Thrones yeah. uh, yeah. influence. <laughs> it's it's a, it's actually from uh, Blade. Oh, that! Oh, you know, it's crazy how things turn out because yeah. we were literally just talking about Blade. Yeah, the last I mean, episode of last yeah. season we talked about Blade. If you can't tell a lot of my beers are named after sci-fi stuff. You know, ah. I'm um, I'm also a nerd. <laughs> no one's picked that out. So, <laughs> well, you made beer. You can't be a nerd. You're making beer. You're cool. You're hip. Like I said, I'm I'm well versed in the bar arts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those would be uh, foosball, darts, pool, uh, cornhole. Everything yep. I look for at a bar. There you go, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Those, those those are essential skills. I think. Yeah. I think. I think a lot of people our age we, we go to, to a ch- club. But when I know you and I, when we walk in, we're like, "There's the darts. There's the pool yeah, table. Pool table. All right, we're good." Yep. Yeah. Sometimes I play that little bowling game with the disc. Oh, the the yeah. shuffleboard? Shuffleboard, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I the, love shuffleboard. I'm not into chasing a ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's what ball boys are for, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about what you uh, are right. drinking. That coffee stout. milk stout. Um, I get the coffee, and the coffee grinds locally from a uh, business down the street here, Bench Warmers Coffee. Mm. Love five, them. Five businesses down. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. So he, know, he knows when I call and I get a coffee where he knows where it's going. So, <laughs> yeah. Does and he come a, sample what what has been done to his coffee? Occasionally he does. He, yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, this uh, comes in at 7%, extremely smooth. Um and, uh, you know, there's a reason I've, I've used lactose in it to make it the milk stout because um, it it takes away from that harsh stout taste you get sometimes. You know, sometimes I crave that taste. There's other times I don't want it. Nice. So it's a so, nice balance of... What, yeah, would you, what would you rate this milk stout then? Uh, I would give it a four. Yeah. Beautiful. What, what are you, you drinking? Well, no, no, you. Okay, you. okay, okay. I'm drinking my old faithful, uh, the red, the red, uh, Irish red. JJ's, JJ's Irish red. Yeah, JJ's Irish red. I didn't want to mess up the name, but I did anyway. Uh, it is just like the most drinkable beer. 
it's super smooth. The malt really comes through. It's just really, really chill. Like I could just coast on one on on this beer for the afternoon. You know, and that's um, you know, with twenty four beers on tap, that's the idea behind a red ale or a brown ale. You've got something that is everyone can drink. That's mm. not. You know, I've even got a uh, a New England IPA that comes in at about four and a half. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. So it's, I mean, it's it's actually kind of hard to make. I would imagine. <laughs> but you know, well, it's it's interesting you bring that up because I have been getting on board with those um, light beer options or those like locale options. Right. So you have like lighthearted from Bell's uh, locale. I think is Dogfish. Yeah. Um, and it's just beautiful because beforehand I would talk about maybe like a PBR or a Miller Lite as my like go-to tailgating beers where I'm just like, what am I going to do that I can crush for that word crush yeah. um, at, a, at a sporting event where I know I'm going to have like be out here for a while. What can I do? That's not going to take me over the edge with like sure. a 10%. And uh, it was really exciting to see more flavorful options start right. to be present. Yeah, you know, one of the uh, first beers I also brewed was a cream ale and that's mm. on tap today. And that one comes in, I think, at three and a half percent. What's the name of that? Uh, that one is. Oh, yes, but too quick. <laughs> well, don't worry, oh, we'll edit this section oh, out. My eyes oh, are good. That one's called Karma's a Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you, you sold that one. You, you had that uh, memorized, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Karma's a Bitch, of <laughs> yeah. course. Yeah, playing for that. Like, well, what is it called, guys? What is it yeah. called? Yeah. Uh, speaking of what is it called, can you go behind the name of JJ's? The JJ's um, Irish. That's red. um my wife's name is Joan. Okay. And and I met her at college and people used to call her Joni. And she goes, No, it's just Joan. Just, just so, Joan. So, so JJ. JJ. Yeah. Ah. That is amazing. Yeah. And so is this her favorite beer then? The <laughs> Irish Red or she does drink it. She likes the cream ale. Um but she, you know, in the summer she drinks like we have a number of wheat beers with fruit in it, yeah. And she stays with those quite a bit. In okay. Summer, okay. So. Nice. So what was the beer that she broke the chair on then? Oh, good questions. Um, I believe that one was a cream ale. Was the that cream was the ale. cream ale? Yeah. Was a bitch. Yeah, yeah. At the name, at the time, it, <laughs> what a what a name. <laughs> at for the what time, a time, we just called it cream ale. <laughs> <laughs> Before you had to sell it to someone, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you had to make it interesting. It's just, hey, it's a cream ale. All right. And then I am drinking the Imperial Stout, which is called... Silent Elevation. Silent? Because it's silent when it hits you. And the, uh, Yeah, and then you get elevated. Then you get elevated. This is beautiful. Like those, that, that roasted, uh, would it be barley? Or, yes, yeah, barley. roasted barley yep. that's coming out of this. Look at is, you, Tyler. There you go. I've been reading up on stouts. You get notes uh, of chocolate, notes yep. of caramel. I mean, it's um, it's like it's a complex beer, and the warmer that one gets, the better it gets. And that's so. Yeah. Usually, I get them in those nice bottles, like those big, like size bottles, and I'll pour the one beer, and I'll just take my time because I want yep. that bottle to warm up and get all the different flavors as I drink it throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes when I find with like stouts and porters, is it doesn't have that full body like flavor profile I'm looking for. Like it's right. missing and, something. And this hits every single like thing I'm looking for. It, it, the depth is there. The flavor is wonderful. And this is what I mean by like 
coming to a place early and being like, okay, I see what they're trying to do here, and then coming back. Coming back and seeing the progress they've made. Because this well, is out of the park for me. Like, yeah. I love Thank this. You. Thank yeah. you. Like, I, I'll even attest, like, when we first came here, you, uh, I, I believe you all were open maybe four months. I think it was maybe four months when we ago. first when when I first came in and we were still having scaling up issues and, yeah. you know, stuff and like, like that. I every mean, beer was, was it wasn't every beer was pretty good, but I feel like when a new brewery opens up, a lot of the beers kind of have a similar flavor profile. Yeah, it seems like they have a lot of the same hops, and it's it's just kind of almost oh here's this same beer in this slightly different uh, style, or here's this beer in this slightly different style, and uh, uh, to be honest, me and Tyler had that same reaction at Oakbrook as well when we first went. Right. But once again, the the initial product wasn't bad. It was just everything wasn't unique enough on its own. But as you said, you know, we gave it a few months. We come back. We give it a year. We come back and we see the growth. And I think that's what the exciting thing is about getting in on the ground level and seeing what someone has going and knowing that as long as they're open to criticism and change that they can really yeah, push the envelope you know, and progress. I've got a, you know, I'm almost 60. I've got a pretty thick skin at this point. So. <laughs> That's good. I feel, yeah. is that, is that needed? Yeah. Oh yeah, it absolutely is needed. Um, um, you know, no matter what you make, uh, you know, I had a guy come in and he said, look, I don't, I had a, um, an ESB on tap. Mm-hmm. I remember. I, yeah. And it, and it was a pretty decent ESB. And he goes, look, I don't like ESBs. He said, but I want to try yours. He tried it. And he goes, I don't like yours either. And gave it a one on untapped. <laughs> I really like and that I, beer, going, by the way. I'm going, why, why even rate it if you don't like, you know you're ESBs. not going to like the beer to begin <laughs> with. That's my biggest problem with untapped. So I and usually try to put a note when I give a bad rating as to like, especially if I know it's a style that I personally don't like. Right. I like to let anyone that's like following me, I'm like, hey, this is the rating, but I also am not crazy about this style. I was just trying it. So right. maybe right. look for somebody else. So. Yeah. yeah. But that's but that's why I got 24 taps. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. Exactly. And and for for everyone listening, ESB is that's extra special bitter. Bitter, yes. yes. Or, or sometimes it's English style bitter. I yeah, mean, it just depends yeah. on who you ask. Right. All right. So. And by the way, that's that's a misleading name. It's actually it's not, not bitter at all. It's not bitter. Right. Okay. It's a style. I thought you were gonna say it wasn't English. I was like, wait, I'm learning. Something. <laughs> no, no, it's actually French. <laughs> Yeah, and they were just bitter about French, something. French and beer, you know. What? Do French do yeah. beer? What? Do the French do beer? No, they they're too busy doing cognac and wine. Uh. Yeah. They do make some beer. I've not had. I've had one or two. They make beer, huh? They do make beer. Um, generally, I the two I had were not good, but <laughs> makes know. sense. Of course, it makes it makes complete <laughs> sense. Um. So kind of want to lead into this conversation it's something that we have built out this podcast to be about it's we walk into a place and we play a it's called the numbers game okay and we'll do it real quick all right us (laughs) (laughs) we are the diversity when we walk in here um and and that's what we, we mean we usually walk in and we're just saying like okay how comfortable can we 
uh, be in these places that aren't necessarily made with us in mind. And there's a long history of that kind of stuff, and right. it's not necessarily a um, a reflection on the breweries and the sure. people that run these like sure. industries. There's there's a lot of different things that come into it, but we just kind of wanted to open up that discussion and by simply asking, what do, what do you think about the diversity issue with with craft beer? You know, that's uh, the amazing thing about craft beer. Um, it's not political. Mm-hmm. It's not racial. It's it's beer. It likes everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and it, you know, if you look around here, you know, I've got Day of the Dead. I've got a Mexican influence. You know, it's it's really non-committal. It's more, you know, there's albums on the wall from everyone you can imagine. Um, to uh, you know, peace signs everywhere, Woodstock poster. You know, it's uh, you know we uh, also participated in Pride Day. Nice. So this you know, breweries are meant to be diverse in general. Just twenty four taps. You know, the, even the tap selection is diverse, and that's and that's the beauty of craft beer. I mean. Um, I got into this because I like making beer, but I found out I like I like talking to the people more. And I, you know, when you open a business like this, you've got all kinds of people coming in, and you know what? They're all good people, and they all have money to spend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh yes, so, I'll, I'll mark that down for my business notes. Know. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Craft craft beer gives you that opportunity to uh, do whatever you want and be whatever you want. And uh, like this is a place of inclusion. You know, like I say, everybody comes in here. You know, I don't know if I can be more clear about that. It's uh, you know, like I said, you feel at home here. Yeah, it's chill. Um, sports are on if you want to watch sports. Background music if you want to. Listen to background music. So. I will say, as far as Broken Chair is concerned, it's probably one of the more uh, welcoming environments I've ever walked into in a craft brewery. Um, no, it, it's it's true. Uh, oh, that reminds me. I was talking to my uncle a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that he was actually part of some of the renovation work that went into creating the brewery from the tile store that it was originally. Oh, really? Wow. I know the, we, we know the story of why there's right. random tile in here. This used to be a tile store, but my uncle was like, oh, yeah, I did work on, the, on that. And this, this is then. I was like, oh, wow, like what a small world, you know. But uh, once again, I just, I do, I do believe that this brewery has been like one of the more inclusive places that I've been in. But in, there are a lot of places that, aren't like that that you walk in and it kind of feels a little off no i mean we get a lot of mixed families in here i mean i mean a lot actually there were two mixed family groups in here before you guys showed up so i mean i I feel pretty good about that yeah and, and i think to chris's point uh he's absolutely right so the the feeling that we get uh when we walk into some places is that 
you've seen it in movies. The record oh, yeah. scratches, yeah. everyone turns around, and that spotlight just hits you. And uh, to, to be completely fair, yeah, that has never happened here, which, which is uh, right. wonderful. Um, because it, it isn't one of those places where you walk in and it's just like, ooh, I made a mistake. You can walk in here, have a good beer, and have a good time. You know, and, and the other thing that happens here more than other places I've been to, we get a lot of females here. That's big. Now, That's big as well. Number one, because uh, for whatever reason, they, they gravitate toward the darker beer, which I always have on tap, winter, summer, fall, or spring, and they know if anyone bothers them, they're going out the door pretty quick. No, that's so, that's a good disclaimer. I think something yeah. that we'll try to highlight too. Um, Absolutely, because being known as a safe space is important. Exactly. So, like, um, I don't know if you had followed, was it Rat Magnet that that had been coming out over the last couple? I think it was like a month or so, where there was a lot of issues within the craft beer space when it came to uh, women, oh, especially. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, so I had just applied to a job. I just did this a couple of days ago to Tired Hands, which was one of the people that was featured in that. And there's a right, huge, right. huge thing down there. And yes, in my application, issues, yeah. I put in, I was like, hey, I, just, I know you're going through like changes. I just want to know what you're doing to make this a safe, welcoming, uh, friendly, right. uh, inclusive environment. Just to hear you unprovoked, really. Like we, we didn't lead you into any questions in that. I'll bring that up about how like, hey, if there's any nonsense you're out the door that type of policy is actually refreshing to hear right yeah, yeah. Know, i i want everyone to have a good time yeah and you can't have a good time if there's some asshole who won't leave you alone um you know a lot of times i got people that, that enter the door don't look right because they're hammered yeah they don't even they don't get served they're just gone Nice. Well, that's a big issue as well so, at bars in general, but um, even at, even even at breweries, I've seen it as well, where there are people that clearly don't need to, that should know, not be there anymore. And, you know, look, I do this because I love it. Yeah, doesn't mean I have to deal with the horse shit that comes in the door that you don't want to deal with. And if I don't want to deal with, it, I know my customers don't want to deal with it. Absolutely, customers, work staff, everything. It's just like it's it's just a big issue if if there's someone in here like that. So, so I think where I'm going now is community. Like West Reading has a beautiful like community culture. I, I just yes, want to know absolutely. how you um, you buy into that. Like, what what are you doing outside of these like four walls? Um. You know, we, we participate in any of the festivals that come through. Um, any, you know, like, um, I think it's actually next Wednesday, um, the city is having budget meetings. Mm-hmm. We're having one of those here. Oh, wow. Wednesday, Wednesday night. Okay. Wow. So, you know, we're not open on Wednesday night. But, I, you know, I said, yeah, why not? Come on in, have the budget meeting here. Um you know, if we sell a few beers, that's okay. If we don't, that's okay, too. Yeah. You know, it's the community that we chose to be in, so we participate in it. And, and normally anything that the avenue has, we participate in. Um, look, we don't, we don't do a lot of donating mm-hmm. um, simply because the last year and a half just hasn't been conducive. Yeah. 
to that. No, but we understand anyway, that. Yeah. Yeah, we, but you we know, I can't that. open the door to the place on a night that I'm not open. Right. And let people come in and you know have their meeting or do whatever they want. That's actually a really interesting take because I never thought about stuff like that and and those open door policies during like off nights. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't have the you know. I mean, I took a real hit last year, and I you know I financed that all out of my own pocket. Um, but you know, whether the place is open or not, I still pay for all the utilities. Still have all that. If I can let a community group come in, might as well do it, right? Yeah. 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 So, I know you're very active West Reading side of things. Yep. I just, is there any interaction with the other side of the bridge? Uh, you know, other than the uh, Pride Parade mm-hmm. and the Pride Day, um, not really. I mean, I really haven't been asked to participate in a lot of things. And the other part of this is, this is my second job. Yeah. <laughs> so, nah, that's crazy, actually. I, I, I mean, I put... I put in 70 hours a week plus Mm -hmm. between the two. And, um, you know, it just gets hard for me to navigate stuff. Now, I did, you know, I did just donate some beer, which is a rarity for us. Um, It wasn't for anything downtown, but it was for a blanket, Blankets of Hope. Nice. Which buys blankets for, you know, needy people. So. It's wonderful. yeah. Yeah. Which hopefully benefits a lot of people. So the, I guess my question then would be, uh, like, how open would you be into dealing with those groups downtown or reaching out to those people? I think one of the one of the issues that we see with craft beer a lot sure. is that it's not necessarily a aggressively negative space. It's not. It's not someone. Or a group of people saying we don't want you here, but what it what it can become a lot of times is a group that is here, and the the people that don't come in feel alienated, and it's not for lack of uh, welcomingness from right. the brewers and the other the other uh, businesses involved, but it's just a matter of you know how how do we connect with the the neighborhood around us or how do we connect with the city that we're in? You know, how do we do these different things? And it's a very complex issue, but I just wanted your take on, you know, is that something you've thought about or, you know, what would you, could you see yourself doing something in the future like that? Absolutely. You know, um, you know, and I'm not going to go into this too much, but I am looking for a second location for another tap room. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, And the area I'm looking at is, a little more diverse than what we are here in West Reading. West Reading's pretty diverse. But, um, so, you know, I'm not going to say too much because I'm not sure hey. where it's hey, going to go. Hey, you don't have to going. reveal any yeah, business secrets Don't count secrets your chickens here. before the eggs hatch, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're still basically in the planning process. Okay. And, uh, you know, trying to put some numbers together to see if it makes sense. Okay. But, um, no, look, you know, like I said, you know, 70, 75 hours a week, I don't have the time. Yeah. To do a lot of stuff. So if people approach me with it, I'm generally open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't go looking for it. I mean, I just I just don't have the time to do it. And I, I think to what Chris was... You know, just like when you guys contacted me, I'm going, yeah. you know what? 
Right. You're free. I'm free, man. Thankfully. Come on and, in. Come on in. And yeah. that's that's something I I was excited to to talk about was the fact that like yeah we 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 took that moment to reach out and see what was happening. We were going to be in the area. Um, we're, we're from Reading. Uh, so we we definitely love our, our Reading breweries, uh, and that's why we get the option uh, the opportunity to see them from the very beginning. We we became 21 in a moment where craft beer just boomed. Right, right. And um, we we got to follow these uh, this process during our early craft beer journey. And uh, but to, to Chris's point again, it's not that these places are intentionally exclusionary. Right. It's that there's often not the step past that where it's intentionally inclusive and going out into the community. Like Barley Mao, I think, and Fine Lines down the street on Penn Ave had a really good relationship. So when I go in for like a right. haircut, there's a good craft beer on tap. <laughs> oh, that's, that's yeah, a beautiful which is experience. Literally amazing. That's probably the reason that why we both go there. Um, <laughs> Have an IPA yeah. where you're getting a haircut. Exactly. But, but that, that seems to be the, the, ne- the next step in, in craft beer. And to, to your uh, point, though, it's for a lot of people, it isn't their full time. It, right. it, it's another part of just trying to keep things moving because it is something that they love to do. Yep. Um, and having you be able to. S- sit down, talk with us, have a few beers and have this conversation is an intention to open your doors because thankfully, well, not thankfully, the the Blackcraft beer community is so small and so niche that right. we have a good network across the U.S. that we, we can reach out to and talk to sure. about things. And um, while people in the area definitely know who Broken Chair is, people across the nation might not. Right. And for those who are happen to come across Berks County, now they have the opportunity to at least hear who you are, what you do, and what, what you're about. And it might make that front door a little more appealing. Yeah, that'd be great. That's awesome. I mean, like I said, um, you know, craft beer is it's welcoming to everyone. Uh, now, and I understand what you're saying, you know, it's... Look, be honest, I don't reach out to a lot of groups yeah. or people or wherever they are. And it's more of a time issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. That's, you know, people contact me. You know, like I said, the budgeting process, you know, they're going to do here. Um, and if I get more, you know, people contact me, yeah, I mean, sure. I don't know if you had something that you wanted to say, but I I wanted to uh, add on to what I was talking about too. What I appreciate appreciate about Broken Chair is, you know, talking about the rough year, uh, year and a half that COVID was in particular. Just talking about right. you know working within like profit margins that you you have to begin with. Um, what I do appreciate about this place is every time that we have reached out. Because we have reached out about different sponsorship opportunities sure. in the past, we have at least got a response. Even if it's a no, oh yeah, we absolutely. got a response. Yeah. There, there, and, Holy shit, is that refreshing? You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you what, I get people that reply, "Thank you so much for getting back to me," you. but you got back to me. You know, yeah, and we we have not no. like. I know Chatty Monks is under new membership and now. And they actually are talking to they're, us. They're, yeah, they're replying to us now. But initially, you know, we got literally nothing back where, you know, we at least get something back from 
other people and you, you guys included right. at the time it was just a bad bad timing but it was just like at least we get something you know at right at the end of the day it's just the courtesy you know, no, ab- ab- absolutely. You know, and um, I'm telling you, you know, during the pandemic, hey, it was brutal. I mean, I'm not going. I'm not going to lie. It was brutal. Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm just thankful that I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah, and open. So. Do you have another question? Not off the top of my head, no. Okay. Well, we're we're reaching about the hour mark of this conversation, and I just want to thank you so much for having this conversation opening the doors for us. Um, and I just wanted to give this opportunity for you to give any like last minute comments or what, what does broken chairs stand for would be the question and you can fill in with anything else. Broken chairs stands for coming into a chill environment, feeling at home, having a pint with your friends or having a pint by yourself. Maybe you're watching a game. Maybe you're listening to the music in the background um, which, by the way, is 60s, 70s, and um, you know some alternative 80s thrown in there with some grunge. So it's, I mean, it's all over it's the place. But um, you know, um, but it's just the environment. You know, it's it's warm. I try to keep as much of the original building as I could, which, by the way, was built in 1920. Um, so. Anyway, that's what Broken Chair stands for. I mean, it's just um, coming in and having a pint, and hopefully you like the beer. Well, again. Well, I like the beer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, thank you so much for the time, the openness, the willingness to talk, and most importantly, the vibes. No problem. No problem at all. Always the vibes. And and this is what everyone gets when they come in. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So until next time. (laughs) Peace. Peace.